or 15 to 23 today, and uh, I believe that there's a children's, is there a children's church today? Yes, so if you want to head your way down there, that'd be great, and uh, I really love the fact that I, uh, Val and Rachel shared, because I think it has a lot to do with what we're going to talk today about. I'm going to talk today about the value of encouragement, and the reason why when we see God move, when we see and hear the love that God, the love that people have for God, and the love that we have for each other, we should do well to celebrate and encourage each other. I'm wondering how many of you love cleaning the house. How many of you? Yeah, really? No, okay, that was sarcasm there. How many of you like uh, you enjoy a nice clean toilet? Right? Yes. All the girls in the house should be saying yes. I like the is poor Liz. She's in a house full of guys. Right? Uh, but I, I don't know if you know this or not. But one of my first jobs uh, that I ever had, I, I, I had three part-time jobs as a teenager that I actually got paid in tax for. One was the sign holder, and I think I told you guys about that. The other one was I worked at Value Village. But the second job that I ever had in my entire life with a paycheck and a tax deduction was a custodian. How many of you believe that? Yeah, yeah okay, of you, you're right. And, and I, I really liked that job. So I, I, I got, I was a part of a team. Uh, I was at a bigger church at the time, so you needed more than one. And uh, I got to learn how to buff the floors. And I got to learn all the secret places in the church. And I got, it was really a, an awesome time. And I got a set of keys. I don't know if you've ever seen janitors. They have like this massive set of keys that opens up every place. And at 14 years old, I felt like I was the deal, right? Because I had the keys to the entire church. I had the alarm code to the church. I could go anywhere, in and out, anytime that I wanted. I, was, uh, I could go. I had access to rooms in the church the pastors didn't even have, like the janitor closet, right? <laughs> and it was, it was awesome, but here's what I learned about, uh, about, uh, about custodial work. It's, it's an actually, it's a very thankless job, right? And because the only time that people ever talk to you about your job is when the church is a mess, right? That you miss something. And because I was 14 and I wasn't particularly good at it, the only time that someone actually talked to me and pulled me aside for my job was when I missed something, right? So I'd be cleaning and taking out the garbages and all that kind of thing, and I'd be cleaning the daycare, and then I'd get a report back the next day, the daycare was dirty. I was like, why? I clean that. And then, like, I looked at it, and, like, someone had walked in with muddy shoes after I mopped the floor, and I got angry, right? It's like, ah, right? Because, really, it's only a job where people talk to you about when something is wrong. The only time someone mentioned something to me was when I missed something. The church could have been spotless, but if I missed a piece of garbage or there was a streak on the mirror... I got called in. Have you ever felt like sometimes following Jesus is a little bit like that? Like no matter how all the good things you do, the only time someone ever mentions something about your walk with Jesus is when you miss something. Has anyone ever felt like that? Like, hey, the only people talk, talk to me, yeah, right? 
Like, I'm doing all this stuff, and, and, and I'm doing all right, but, man, I, I, just get, I just get floored when I miss something. And it can be very discouraging because what can happen is if the only time that someone mentions something to you is when you get wrong, what begins to happen is you begin to lose hope and you begin to get crushed. Um, because you have all the negativity, right? And uh, it can be very, very, very discouraging, right? And I think what our passage will deal with today is the power and the need for us to be encouraged. I have a, I don't know if you know this right now, I, I don't normally do this. I don't, I don't like talking about myself positively, publicly, because it kind of makes me look like I'm uh, like holier than thou, but that's not true. I have this book. Everyone see this book? This is me with two, <laughs> two thumbs up, and it says thank you. And this was a gift given to me two weeks before I moved here to be your pastor. And this was from all the teenagers that I had ministered to over the years. And they had taken pictures of the entire youth group, and then they just wrote notes saying thank you. And it was so encouraging. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when I mess up here, and I do mess up here, right? I, if I get discouraged, I pull this out and I just read some of those and realize that they are thankful to the Lord. There is something about the power of encouragement. And I like, that is why I'm so excited for our passage today. So if you would follow along with me, I would like to read to you first, or Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And Garrison, I, I don't know if my clicker is working, so you're going to have to be my clicker, okay? Awesome. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give what? Thanks for you. Remembering you in all my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what it is to hope to which you were called. Which you were called, that you, what riches you, oh, sorry, go back, I need to reread that. Like, so let me start at verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all, who fills all in all. This is the reading of God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help me as I exposition this text, I pray that you would help me make the meaning clear and that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in a powerful way and show us where exactly in our lives that we need to apply this biblical truth today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 
Amen. So let me start off by saying this. My best sense of what the Holy Spirit would say to us as a church today is that is this, is that if you came into church looking for a, for a word from God, it's this, is that manner must become known as a church of cheerleaders. Let me say that again. Manor must become known as a church of cheerleaders. And I say that figuratively. I don't actually mean that we get the pom-poms and everything. I mean that we need to catch people doing good and regularly encourage them. You want to hit that next slide for me, Garrison? It's this, it's this that when we see and when we hear about the love other people have for God and the love that people have for the other people, we need to encourage and be thankful for them, is that we should encourage each other with the truth that we are appreciated by Jesus. And I know that doesn't really like, okay, I, you know, that's, that, that's, that's great. I know we should be encouraging, but, but let me unpack this for a little bit. There, there are many reasons why I think we should be encouraged. Number one, I'll just give you a few basic ones, is we live in a world that is negative. It bombards us with bad news all the time. Experts say, and I actually don't know who the experts are, so it says it takes 10 positive comments to override one negative comment. So, and here's the thing is that we need a balanced perspective of who we are. The scripture says that we are to look at ourselves with sober judgment. And that's in a way of saying that you and I are to look at each other with a healthy and accurate view of each other. And if we're always looking at the negative and not actually looking at what God is doing that's good in each other's lives, it gives us an, un, it gives us an unbalanced perspective. But here's what I would say is the biggest reason that you and I need to encourage each other with, and that is this, is that a good majority of us have never really been celebrated. I would even guess for some of you today that if I asked you to list your own strengths, all the positive things that you would do, and then I asked you to list all the bad things that you do, some of you would find it easier to list all the negative things of your character rather than the positive ones. And it's a, and because it is a painful thing and it's foreign to you. And here's what I would say. People need to know that they are appreciated by Jesus. Okay? Because here's what happens when, when people aren't feeling appreciated. If you want to hit the next slide for me. Number one is they become jealous. And number two, they stop praying and stop complaining. What I've noticed is that when people go unappreciated, what starts happening is when other people start uh, getting success in life, they start getting jealous of that, and they can't celebrate that. The other, they have a better crop, or they have a better yield. They're on their fourth child, and we're still barren. That family, uh, that family, those children turned out healthy and all right, but they had an awful past, and I sheltered my kids, and I homeschooled my kids, and my kids are falling apart. And you, what winds up happening is that you can't, you become jealous of other people's good fortune and success, and secretly what winds up happening is you kind of, you kind of are happy when they fail. 
How many of you would admit that you're kind of, when you hear about someone you don't like failing, there's this kind of thing in your heart that goes, good. How many of you would admit that? Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad we're becoming an honest church, okay. Here's what Proverbs 24, 17 says about that. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When he stumbles, do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from him. So I've noticed that when we are not encouraged and people are not appreciated, we become jealous of other people's good fortune. The other thing that I see is that we, we exchange grumbling, or we exchange praying for grumbling. And what I've noticed is when people do not feel appreciated or encouraged, what starts happening is they grumble and they stop praying. Uh, How many of you, when you don't feel appreciated, are prone to complaining? Right? Yeah, a few of you. You complain about your kids, you complain about your work, you complain about the church, and that you're not getting anything, and it just goes on and on and on. But here's what's happening is what you don't actually really grumble to the people that you don't like, you start grumbling about them. And I want you to catch this, is that in the first from 15 and 16, it says this, For this reason, uh, because I have heard of the faith in your Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And here's what I want you to catch is that Paul's life is hard. Okay? Where is he right when he's writing this? Someone say it. He's in prison. He's got a lot in his life to grumble about, doesn't he? Why is he in jail? Is he in jail for tax evasion? No. Did he murder somebody? No. What, are you, what was he in jail for? Telling about, Jesus. Telling about Jesus. That's a bum rap, isn't it? Because he's doing something good and then something bad happens to him. Okay? Why is he in prison? He's in prison because of Jesus. And, and here's what is happening, is that even though he's got a bad rep circumstance, he prays and is grateful for the work of God that is happening in other believers. And here's what I want to say about this. Is I, I, want, I, want, I don't want to be calloused in this, but listen, I, I know what's going on in some of your lives around here, and I know that your lives are hard. I know that some of you have health issues. I know that some of you, your marriage is hard. I know that you're not getting along with your in-laws. I know all that, right? But I also want to say that what you are personally going through, even though it's hard, doesn't hold a candle to what he's going through, and he's not complaining. And I think it's because he knows that the Lord is appreciative of the work that he does. Let me unpack this a little bit for you and get into the exegesis of it a little bit. It's, it's, uh, if you want to hit the next slide for me, it goes on like this. If you remember, we've been going through Ephesians, and we've been spending most of our time in chapter 1. Right? And that is the reason, the reason why is because chapter 1, especially the, the first few verses, are some of the meatiest and heaviest a theological verses in all of the New Testament. So we've been taking our time going through it. And what, if you remember what I said about it, is you can divide chapter 1 into two parts. Is that the first uh, verses 3 all the way down to 14 are praise. It's Paul praising God for all the blessings that we have in Christ and all the good gifts. Remember we talked about that, right? But the second part, the part that we're talking about today, is a prayer. Okay, 
So that's how you would divide chapter 1. What are the two parts of chapter 1? Please tell me. Praise and prayer. Okay. And what is happening here is, is, is that in verse 15 and 16 are kind of like a pivot point. He's, he's transitioning from talking about the blessings in Christ to the, uh, to the prayer. And he's praying and he's encouraging the church that he's writing to. And here's what's happening. Uh, he is noticing some, He's noticing a fundamental shift. The phrase "for this reason" is kind of like a kind of like a bridge between the two ideas. He's saying this: "For this reason, uh, I haven't stopped thanking God for you when I pray." And what are those reasons? The, it's, it's sort of like saying this: because of the blessings that you have in Jesus, and because I'm hearing about the, what what God is doing. I'm thankful for you, and I'm praying for you. Okay. You have to remember at this point, there's no electricity for Paul. There's no radio. There's no TV. There's no printing press. Morse code. There's no such thing as Morse code or phones or email or fax. Who uses fax these days? Or social media. And here's what is happening is that despite all that, there was, a, there was something significant happening in the city of Ephesus. So much so that the people were talking. So God was doing something. God was on the move. He was doing something powerful. And so what has, starts happening is that word starts getting around of the love that the Ephesians have for God and the love that they have for each other. And what winds up happening is that it fills the entire province of Asia. Remember how I told you that? Remember how I said that when, when Paul gets to Ephesus, this is the part where you know all that learning about Ephesus is really important. What did I tell you about Ephesus? Were there a lot of Christians in Ephesus? Oh, come on, guys. No, they weren't, right? So Paul plants a church that grows, and the gospel spreads throughout the whole city, and Acts tells us that it not only stayed in the city of Ephesus, it filled the entire province. So God was up to move something big. It was something move, right? God was moving in greater ways, and it was catching like wildfire, so that not only was the entire city consumed, the land was consumed. This was a powerful move for God. God was moving in powerful ways. And what were those two ways that God was moving in? Well, Paul says so, and why don't you flip the next side for me too. Uh, there, Garrison. And here, do it again. Is that there are two ways that he's hearing about the, the love of or how God is moving, and that is, is that there is a love of God and the love for people. Remember what it said. For this reason, ever since I heard about what? Your love for God and your love for the saints, I've never stopped thanking you. This was something in the church in the Ephesus, that this was something that the church in Ephesus was just exploding in. The church was passionate for God. They were on fire. They weren't apathetic. They were lost in Jesus, and, they were, and that translated into love for each other. You have to remember, when Paul came to Ephesus, there were no Christians. And you know what is so cool is he says, listen, I'm hearing about your love for God, and I'm hearing about your love for people, and I'm just so grateful when I pray to God. Right? So he's encouraging them. Okay. He's encouraging them by remembering them that they are grateful in God. And here's the cool thing. 
You want to hit the next slide for me? Here, here's a cool thing, okay? I know we just talked about this, but Paul, who's a senior pastor, gets to hear how his church loves God and loves people, and it's making news throughout all of Asia. And here today, I get to say the same thing to you, right? Not, not to elevate people above God, but here I am, and I get to say, this verse is something that I get to echo to manner. It's like, this, be, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in Jesus and your love for people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you as a church matter. Okay? Because the news of what God is doing is spreading. Okay? Okay? Well, I want you to think about this for a minute, okay? Here's a bunch of people of a manner who love the Lord and for some reason decide to fly across the country and help total strangers, people they don't know and love. And what winds up happening is this. It gets picked up by the news, right? And not just any news station, a very secular one, I might add, right? This is the kind of publicity that we should have as a church, right? When people talk about manner, we talk about the love that we have for God that translates in the love for people. And when we see that, we should celebrate it and thank each other for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, wanna, I want you to understand that this is God's way of telling you that he appreciates you. How many of you right now, would, would it change the whole course of your day if you simply knew that God paid attention to your life and it was thankful for the trust you had in him and the love he had for other people? Would that make a difference in your life? You see, the trap that we fall into is each of us have a desire to know that we cared and appreciated, but the issue is that we look to other people to define it rather than God. And here, Paul is telling us that God wants the church in Ephesus to know that God is thankful and God is appreciative. Why would I make that jump? Because of this. is because I believe that the Bible is God's inspired word, which means this. It's, God, it's Paul's voice, but it's God's words. And here God is speaking through Paul, and not just to the people in the city, but to all the Christians. It's an open letter about how grateful they are. God's word is to all believers. And he used Paul to say that, that, that he is thankful and that Jesus appreciates you. And I'm going to say this, is that you and I need to understand that we're appreciated by Jesus. And I think when we see each other do good things, when we see each other grow in the Lord, and we see each other love each other, we should catch each other doing something great and praise each other for it. We should encourage each other. But here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that encouragement and even public encouragement is a little bit awkward. How many of you have been publicly encouraged before and you felt a little awkward inside? Yeah. Like, I first encountered this phenomenon uh, years and years ago. You want to hit, hit the picture for me there, Garrison? I... Every year, in grade 12, I would take the grade 12s and uh, I would put on a congratulation banquet for them. 
And I themed it around Ephesians 2, which says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So the question I always asked was, what were those good works up until they were 18? And so what I did is I, I rented the rooftop of the Winnipeg Art Gallery, and then I, throughout the entire year, I took pictures of them, and I got their youth leaders to write down every time that they did a good work and just said, praise them for it. The other thing I did, though, you want to hit the next one slide, too, is, is uh, I, th- I would get them together on top of the rooftop, and they would mingle, and they would have just kind of like uh, a little bit of a, a buffet kind of thing. And the, the, the only pro- the program was is that I got the parents. Here, here's the kicker part. I got the parents of every grad to write an encouraging letter to their student or their child and to read it out loud. And boy, did I get pushed back. And it seems the more Mennonite they were, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the harder they pushed back. It got to, it, they found it extremely difficult. I'll tell you a story. Is I had to literally tell these people and teach them how to write an encouragement letter. I, this is what I told them to do. I'm going to throw them the next slides. I, I asked them to name a specific trait that they saw in it, a specific example of that. I asked them to see how it blessed them at the time and the ongoing effect it had now. And it was hard, right? And the pushback I got was that, well, I don't want to like make my kid feel awkward, but here's what wind up happening. Every time I did that, every year, the kids would break down because they had no idea that their parents thought like that, thought of them, right? It's awkward. And I'm trying to think about why it's awkward, and I've come up with two reasons, and I don't know if they're true or not, and I, I think it has to do with the whole entitlement thing, the, you know, the participation trophy thing. Have you guys heard about that? Where everyone gets a trophy just for showing up, and because that makes people entitled and all that kind of thing. And so there's an overreaction we have where we don't like encouraging people at all, right? Because we don't want to over-encourage them and get their egos inflated and all that kind of thing. But I want to say to you that that whole entitlement, that, that participation trophy thing and all that kind of thing, that's not an issue of encouragement. That's a, that's a product of flattery. Flattery in the Bible is defined as this. It's telling something that's positive about someone that's not true. Okay? It's like saying, Dan, you have muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? And that's not true, but it's, it's, it's nice to hear, right? But it's also a lie, right? The whole entitlement thing is not a lack of encouragement. It's an overuse of flattery, okay? We need to be regularly encouraging each other. And second, it's, it's because we've been taught religiously. Sometimes what can happen is, is our desire to give glory to God uh, makes, us the, makes it hard for us to appreciate each other because we feel like as soon as we say we praise someone or encourage someone, we're taking away the glory from God. But here's what I'm going to tell you is that you can give the glory to God and you can appreciate other people, right? You can do both, okay? And so I really think that we as a church need to be cheerleaders. Every time we catch someone doing something great, even something small or minute, like just showing up at church. I think we need to praise them and encourage with them and with them. It needs to be regular. It needs to be. So let me close by uh, sharing you how you should encourage people from God's word. Number one, I want you to never cease 
encouraging people. It says in verse 16, for this reason, I've never ceased doing. So he never stops. He never stops being thankful for him. He never stops praying for him. In other words, what I want to say is that it's a regular rhythm of his life. And so what I want you to catch is this, is that you should be encouraging and cheerleading people on a daily basis. And I know that sounds forced. And I know that sounds fake. And I know that sounds unnatural. But here's what I'm going to tell you. God did not call you to live a natural life. He called you to live a supernatural life. And whenever you see someone who's living alone, who trusts God and loves people, then I think you should actually encourage them with that. Right? So here's the deal. Instead of getting mad at the mom who's got the screaming baby, why don't you just say thank you for showing up at church? Okay? When's the last time you thanked any of the dads for actually bringing their kids to church? Do you know where people, most people are at church on Sunday mornings right now? They're at IHOP. And there's a line out the door. It's not normal to bring your families to church anymore. So when you see a family, a young family, sitting there, and, they're annoyed, and you're annoyed because their kids are crazy, do we just say, like, thank you for making the time? Hey, I saw you read the Bible the other day. I just want to encourage you to keep doing that. Hey, the other day when, I, when you see Ivan kind of like making sure that the church is doing all right, just go up and say, hey, I noticed that you, you cleaned up the drywall the other day. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. It has to be something that's regular in rhythm. It has to be so regular that when you come into this building on Sunday, I'm going to argue that you should not leave without someone uh, encouraging you in some way. Okay? Let's be a place of encouragement. Let's never cease. Number two, you know, I want you to catch them doing something good. In verse 15, it says that the reason that he was thankful is because he saw them uh, love, have a love for the Lord and a love for people. And so I would actually argue that when you encourage someone, you should encourage them when they are loving God and loving people. And I actually think you should do it specifically. If you want to hit the next slide for me there, Garrison, is like this. This is what I'm going to ask you. to Hit it again. No, actually, I don't, I don't know if I have it. I'm going to actually ask you to write a letter this week to someone to pray. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray in your devotional time and ask the Lord, God, who in church needs to be encouraged right now? And I want you to write a letter to them, encouraging them. And I want you to think of a specific character quality that, you, that encourages you about them. And I want you to think about a specific time that you saw it. Name it specifically. And then I want you to write to them and tell you how that blessed them and how that gives glory to God because of that. Okay? Do it specifically. Number three, you can pray for them. Specifically, you can pray three things. Number one, that you pray on the spot and pray that they will learn about Jesus. Verse 17 to 18 says this, I pray that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of him. Okay? Why? Because I want your eyes to, the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, that you may know what it is to the hope you were called. Let me say this. It doesn't matter how long you're a Christian. 
there's always something new you can learn about Jesus. And if you've been uh, going back, let me submit to you that if you've been quoting the same Bible verse for years and you've been going back to the same books of the Bibles for years without reading the rest of it, if you're just echoing the things you've known from a long time, that, that's good, but it's not enough. There's always something more you can learn about Jesus. And if you want to encourage somebody, pray that they would know more about Jesus. Number two, you can pray uh, pray and speak over them that they may experience the power of His Holy Spirit in their lives. Christianity is not a faith that is just of talk and ideas. It's one of power. Listen to verse 19 and 20. And it says this, I want to pray that you know what is the immeasurable greatness of his what? Power. Toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. And lastly, you can speak and pray over them and remind them that Jesus rules over all. The last part of uh, verse 21 and 23 says this, is that Jesus is seated far above all ruler and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills, who fills all in all. You pray those three things. You could pray that they would know God more, they would learn more about Jesus, that they would experience Jesus, and they would remember why that Jesus is set above all. Why is that encouraging? Because here, here's the truth, right? Is that Jesus sits above everyone, all powers and all authorities. And who we praise today is not necessarily who we praise tomorrow, but the one who sits on the throne knows and sees and appreciates you. You've got to remind them of that. So if you're wondering what to pray for, people, pray for that. So in closing, I actually want to share with you a story about the prior power of encouragement. I want, to tell you, I want to tell you about the true story. This is a true story about a school teacher named Helen and a schoolboy named Mark. Helen first met Mark as one of the 34 third grade students back in the early 60s. He was a very handsome young boy, a well-behaved student in every way, except this, and you guys can appreciate this because you probably have this kid, he never stopped talking. (laughs) One day, she had enough and literally taped his mouth closed in class. Uh, several, Several years had passed, And Mark now found his way back into Helen's class again. Now it was junior high, and she had gone on to teaching math. At one point in the year, the students were really getting on each other's nerves. And during the same week, she was trialing and failing to teach a difficult math concept. Finally, one Friday afternoon, in a total frustration, she told the class to take out a sheet of paper and write down the names of each student in the room leaving a space between each name. She then told them to think of the nicest thing that they could say about each other and the classmates and write down their names, 
the, that, those things with the appropriate name. The, the bell rang, and the students went to spend their weekend at home, and, and she, <clears throat> she then had them spend, uh, over the weekend, she took all the papers home with her. She listed each child's name on a separate sheet of paper, and then compiled every positive comment her classmates had written about that individual. On Monday, she gave each child his or her list. Everyone seemed pretty happy, but no one ever mentioned those papers in the class ever again. Years passed, and one day Helen was returning home from a vacation. Her parents met her at the airport. As they were driving home, her father cleared his throat and said, <clears throat> Mark Smith's family called last night. You know, he was in class with you. He was in your class. Really, she said, I haven't heard from him in years. How is he doing? Her father responded quietly, Mark was killed in combat, Vietnam specifically. The funeral is tomorrow. And his parents would like it if you could attend. The church was packed, and the service was a tribute to a fallen hero. But afterwards, something totally unexpected happened. Mark's mother and her father walked up to Helen and said, We want to show you something. Opening his wallet, the father pulled out a wad of paper to show Helen. They said, They found this on Mark when he was killed. We thought you might recognize it. He carefully revealed two worn pieces of notebook paper that had obviously been taped, folded, and refolded many times. The papers were the ones on which Helen had listed all the good things each of Mark's classmates had said about him the day in junior high. The parents replied, thank you so much for doing that. Mark's mother said, as you can see, Mark treasured it. Why would a soldier carry into battle the comments his junior high class made about him years earlier? Because somehow it told Mark that he was all right. He had worth and he had value. And the truth is, is so do you. Every one of you has God-given strengths, talents, and abilities. But somewhere along the line, Satan has robbed you of that and embracing and enjoying the value that God has invested in you. Many of you might literally believe you have little to no value, and yet desperately you long for someone to notice you, to believe in you, and to celebrate you. And I think you want to know that we need to know, tell people is that Jesus is the one who appreciates them. And I can't think of a greater, greater way to start Christmas, don't you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness, and I pray that we would become a church of cheer, that what we said about us is that we are an encouraging church, people who will encourage each other, encourage, uh, see that the love, of God, the love we have for God and the love we have for people, and thank God for it, and pray for each other for it, and publicly praise each other for it, as Paul did so many years ago. And these things I pray, in Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen.